the property pod. Pod. pod welcome to the property pod with moneyweb the property sector is an ever-changing sector and in this podcast series your host suren naidu chats to movers and shakers in the property industry hello and welcome to the latest episode of the property pod south africa's premier property investor podcast my name is suren naidu and on this podcast show we gain insider insights from leading executives, analysts, developers and entrepreneurs in South Africa's expansive property industry. It's almost two years since the devastating KZN riots, which shocked South Africa and the world. But how is KwaZulu-Natal doing? Have investor confidence levels picked up? And who are the investors? With this being a property show, on the podcast today, we have the CEO of Fundamentum on the line from Amschlaga, Carlos Correa. He is the founder of the group, which is a leading unlisted property developer and investor, largely in the retail or shopping center space. Correa is also the brainchild behind the 15 billion rand Westtown mixed-use mini-city development in KwaZulu-Natal, which launched construction last year on its first phase. It is one of the biggest new property developments on the go currently and was launched not just post the riots, but post the KwaZulu-Natal floods, which took place last year. Welcome to the Property Pod, Carlos. Thank you, Suren. Good morning to you and great to be on your show. Fundamentum launched infrastructure rollout for its Westtown development, which we covered in Shungweni, west of Durban, back in September 2022. But this project has been in years in the making. Give us a little bit of background on how the group got involved in this project uh, on Tongat Ulet land. Yes, you, you're correct. Uh, the, the initial purchase we did uh, of this parcel of land in the outer west in Shongweni uh, was back in 2016. At the time, we really were purchasing 85,000 bulk square meters, and the focus was to do a regional mall. And we then had to go through various statutory requirements. And by 2019, Tonga Tulet had got all their rights in place. Their plume had been approved. And they had then got approval for about 515,000 square meters of that note to be developed. And when we purchased the original portion, the intention was always we would do what we uh, know best, which is top structure development. And Tonga that would come along with us and develop this new city in the west, like they've developed all the other precincts in Durban, uh, all the way in the north coast, and even in this, some portions as well further north. I think we're all aware that of what happened to Tonga Tulet uh, from 2019 onwards. Um, fortunately, they, as you know, they faced some challenges, and that became quite a, a challenge for us as well. That was the one in 20 and into 21. So obviously we had to relook at this entire investment of ours. And what actually came out of there is there's always um, opportunity. And we realized that we had to start engaging with Tonga Tulet because the best example maybe Serena can use is it's like trying to develop a, a gateway shopping center in Umschlange and nobody else is putting infrastructure into place for the rest of property to be developed or the surrounding land. And that became quite a challenge because Tonga Tulitis were not in the financial position to do that. After a long lengthy period of negotiations with Tonga Tulit, we then decided to acquire the development rights that surround 
the initial purchase of the first 85,000. So we ended up buying another 430 odd thousand bulk square meters. And that development rights, and maybe the best example I can use for your listeners, is really it was a cut and paste model of waterfall. Uh, it was really no different. Tonga Tulet on the land, we bought the development rights, and very similar to what was done many, many years ago when the Mia family owned the property and owned the land, which they still do today, and Atterbury bought the development rights. So we went from really wanting just to develop a, a, a regional mall of about 72,000 uh, back in 2019, and we were quite pre-let already by then, having to reassess the entire development. And in hindsight, to be honest with you, maybe it was also a blessing for us. So yes, it, it goes back quite a bit uh, that we've been involved in this project and the journey we've gone through with Tonga Tulip. Thanks for that. It's quite interesting what you mentioned because hindsight is always a great thing. But imagine if you had started construction and then you had the, all those fallouts. Um, so interesting insight there. Carlos, please tell us, uh, where is the overall project at the moment? Is the key bulk infrastructure in place and has construction started on the on the regional mall, which is anchoring the development? Yes, so say, I think one of the things we needed to address was bulk infrastructure because Tonga Tulet were not in the position to do that. We had then acquired the development rights and our relationship with Etiquini goes back many, many years. We have developed substantially in some of the disadvantaged areas here in Etiquini. And we really had to go to the city to assist us. And even though the city had their own challenges, they also had access to national infrastructure funding. And in last year, uh, August, we ended up, end up signing a MOA uh, with Etiquini. And the MOA was for 733 million rand where the city is putting close to 600 million rand and we're investing another 133 million rand into bulk infrastructure. And that is most probably the initial infrastructure that's required to unlock what you refer to as the mall, which is called West Town Square. This infrastructure, then we appointed, uh, it had gone to tender. We then appointed Stefanuti Stocks and late last year, Stefanuti Stocks started with the bulk infrastructure. And as we talk right now, the roads are being uh, developed, which is a road called Cassia Road that cuts across the west. Um, there's also funding for a water treatment works. And that was the reality that where we found ourselves was that the outer west was really underserviced and therefore we needed some bulk infrastructure. And the city was able to secure some of this funding from infrastructure or national infrastructure. And we then ended up also building, and we're currently building a water treatment facility. There was also some water bulk supply as we needed more pressure. So the city came to the party on that. And also there's been already the electricity, which currently is already in place. So I must compliment the municipality or the city of Durban in Itiquini for the commitment they showed to get this project going because obviously investor confidence was a little bit low last year. We'll get to investor confidence in a minute. Just to 
check. So it's still a case of bulk infrastructure coming up there. When is construction on the mall set to begin? And and perhaps you want to highlight uh, some of the key features in the mall and some of the big tenants. You've issued a, a press statement uh, updating some of the, the, the lineup. Earlier uh, I mentioned the word hindsight and, and maybe I know how difficult COVID was for everybody and I know what the rioting did in our province. But in hindsight, we were able to also relook at retail. And just to maybe answer the first part of your question, we currently already awarded the contract to Stefanuti Stocks Building. They've been on site building now for the last couple of months already. It is anticipated our opening will be on the 27th of March, 2025. So as we talk right now, uh, there's a lot of activity on site already with the building of Westdown Square. But maybe when I refer to hindsight, okay. I think those who've been along long enough in property and in retail, as I've been for nearly 30 years, will realize that retail was fundamentally already changing before COVID. I think retailers us that, we as developers were realizing that. And I have a belief that maybe what COVID did was accelerate how we look at retail. So one of the things we did with, because we have two firms of architects that we appointed um, at West Town Square, Bukhitman and Partners and MDS, who are based in Johannesburg, we started engaging a lot with retailers and, and asking them how they saw the future of retail uh, after COVID. And it was quite an interesting journey because a lot of the feedback we're giving is that we realized we couldn't do a regional mall anymore of that size. And we had to narrow it down and right now as i talk to you it's a fifty thousand square meter and i hate to use the word mall because it's not a mall it's a retail high street shopping experience because it's not covered it's not in your traditional regional malls it's a little bit different because the feedback we're getting from tenants is that, that and if the area we're in they wanted a little bit more openness and more of the high street level shopping and that's what we did and we were able to work with some of these tenants that have already committed and hence why we're now building West Down Square the way it's been designed. Your other part of the question was about tenants. I think, you know, retail is quite robust. <laughs> I think South Africans are robust. Retail is quite robust. I'm always astounded, and, and I follow your podcast as well on the articles about how retail is bouncing back. And yes, sometimes they have challenges. And today we have challenges with electricity, and that impacts the bottom line of every property owning company. But the reality is that retailers mm. are still trading and they're looking still for growth. And we were fortunate enough that we were developing in an area that was perhaps a little bit underserviced in terms of what we needed that we thought we could bring to the market. We were also fortunate enough that we were not a kind of developer that would come and just develop a retail facility. And then when that's complete, we have no further investment in the area. We are actually not only the developers of Westdown Square, we're the developers of Westdown. Uh, maybe I like to use examples. It's like owning Mall of Africa and you also own Waterfall. So we were in that fortunate position that we are able to design and look at our tenant mix with different eyes. We were able to look at maybe a more aggressive yield and return and to get the right tenant mix. And yes, yeah, so as we talk today, it's going to be anchored by a checkers hyper, eight and a half thousand uh, square meter hyper. And along with that, they bring all the other brands, which is the outdoor brands, the Le Little Me, Unique Clothing, Pet Shop, uh, the liquor stores. 
pick and pay is in there as well uh, as a food anchor. And we currently are talking still to Woolworths at the moment to bring them on board. So we will have three major food anchors. From a fashion perspective, we brought in the Detailability Group, which is based in KZN, so very close to our heart to try and bring as many as our, our local companies into this retail space. The Mr. Price Group, uh, Discam Group has come in, Pepco's come in, Clicks, Foshini Group, we are on the last uh, stages of final negotiations, Truers, H&M, and obviously we talk to our banks, and then obviously your smaller local tenants, which are very important for us to bring them into the mix. So that's the kind of mix we at the moment offering at West Down Square. Thanks for that, Carlos. Um, I understand uh, Fundamentum is a KZN-based property company, and you did go into the, the history of the development, as it were, or uh, Fundamentum's involvement. But uh, who are your partners and co-investors in the West Town development? And uh, you mentioned the Tongat involvement, so we don't have to cover that. But Fundamentum have effectively unlocked this whole development as a mega project now. So Fundamentum from... Uh the history of our company goes back to mid-90s when Lungisi and myself started the company and we were invested in Bukili from 2005 to 2011 and hence the history of this is Fundamentum really came about in 2012 after Lungisi and ourselves had exited uh, through a vehicle called Lazarus Capital out of Bukili. Um, and we really were looking to focus more in KZN at the time um, although we have assets that we still own in Gauteng and we own some in the free state, but the reality was that we wanted to spend more time in, in a market that we, we, we understood uh, where we come from. We understood the social aspect of KZN. We understood the political environment. We understood the economic environment. So fundamentally, back in 2012, um, the Bergsmer brothers, which are a company called Ignition, who were at the time we had developed for them we had a meeting about creating a privately held property fund, and that was the beginning of Fundamentum. So currently, the one partner immigrated to UK, but right now, as I talk to you, Fundamentum is the shelters are Sean and Donovan Bergsma and myself, and we are the three shelters of Fundamentum. When it comes to Fundamentum's development in the Outer West, in Westdown, uh, we have an empowerment group that owns 12.5% called Outer West Investments, and that's headed by Dr. Nomzamo Tutu and Senzo, and they are partners in West Town Square. And in other developments we're doing, we have other partners as well that we will partner with as we unlock uh, other parts of West Town. Why the West of Durban? Why KZN? I suppose you're a KZN-based company, so you're looking for opportunities there. Clearly, the group has investor confidence in the province, despite the issues uh, the province has faced in the past couple of years, in particular, the KZN riots, where property companies particularly uh, were hard hit. In fact, Growth Points uh, Center just down the road in Hillcrest was one of the ones that was basically ransacked. That was around two years ago. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I know you're part of the comeback KZN campaign, as it were. So, yeah, sell your province. Yeah, I think we still got to look at the fundamentum and fundamentals. And the reality is that KZN is still the second largest economic contributor to SA's GDP after Gauteng. We must probably, I think we're the second largest population and we still have a lot of businesses that are invested here. I think 
yes, the riots were absolutely very detrimental to investor confidence. But there are still companies, national companies, that are still based here. Aspen, Unilever, Derivco, I can go on, Mr. Price, Rundrod. And those companies are still invested here. And I think what happened with the riots, it was a very, very sad occasion that happened to province. But we came out of the riots, in my view, and we saw how do we make things better? How do we turn things around? And where people were maybe saying, well, KZN is not the place to invest, we've taken a different view. We see an opportunity. We believe that the city is wanting investment. They would not have invested. I think if you look at the largest investment the city made into infrastructure, I think must have been around the World Cup days. And since then, I mean, if you look at the investment now, is you've got to back um, the city when they say, welcome back. We, we never left. We've always been here. And there's many, many companies that are here. I talk about investor confidence in KZN, and I'd like to maybe challenge any of my property colleagues to tell me where they have absolutely investor confidence in the other provinces they live in. Because we all have our challenges, and the reality is how you manage those challenges, how you work hand-in-hand with communities and with um, your partners in the area. So we still have a strong belief in KZN, and you know, sometimes when you've been in property long enough, we've seen all these dips and all these cycles, but there's always been a fairly reasonable trajectory of property value in South Africa. So we still believe in KZN and we have strong faith in KZN and we will carry on investing in KZN. So Westtown is uh, more than just that Westtown Square mega mall, as it were. What else can we expect as part of the mixed-use property offering in Westtown over the development phase over, I suppose, over the next 10 to 15 years? Correct. We always like to look at, probably, you know, our business is very long-term, but I suppose short-term for us is five years and medium-term is 10 years and long-term is anything from 15 to 25. So in, in the short-term, what we're trying to do at Westtown is really get Westtown Square, and that's what's being built now. And obviously, it's infrastructure in place that can then be supported by a number of interconnected precincts, spaces, experiences. And that is why there's a hospital license that's been awarded. Um, there's warehousing and logistics. And we're in discussions with one of fairly big listed uh, retail group uh, about how we're going to deal with logistics and the warehousing. There are business and commercial activities. There's a huge component of residential, uh, and we're currently also dealing with a very, very big property player about investing in Westtown Square. So for us to have these interconnected precincts is very important because Westtown is not about the retail experience. And in actual fact, maybe we're a little bit different. I think Waterfall's success was based on the residential component coming first and then the commercial one following. The difference with us is that we already have a big residential component in the outer west, you know? Um, and and the reality is that the population in the outer west has grown by about 6% per annum over the last nine years. So we have this population growth, we have these houses that are there, but we want to add more so that eventually the outer west becomes an integrated urban development and not divided by the N3 because we are just off the national um, N3 highway. So for us, we, we have more 
ideas of what you want to bring to West Down, but they've got to go in increments, most probably every five years, reevaluate what the market is doing, what the appetite is. Today, nobody wants offices, but we're seeing people slowly coming back to office space. There could be a demand for people who don't want to travel from the West to the North because uh, of the time they spend traveling. And there's a massive market in the outer West because KZN doesn't obviously have a market in the East. It's only got South and North. So we see us being most probably the link ultimately between Etiquine and Peter Maritzburg. And that's where we're focusing on what we want to do on these key components, uh, as I mentioned to you. And the last uh, one I want to mention is we, we're also busy at the moment with a lifestyle precinct that's being designed called Ferrier Crossing. And we are partnering a lot of our developments with some of the listed uh, companies we're talking to at the moment. Carlos, we've run out of time, but before you go, give us further insight on the size of Fundamentum and its property portfolio. Well, I suppose you shared your pedigree in the industry considering your involvement at some stage with Vukile Property Fund. But uh, as I said, uh, Fundamentum size and property portfolio currently. Yeah, so let me rather, if I can answer that, maybe in a different way. We're obviously a private company, um, but I, I think we must probably slightly, if you look at our market cap, we might be slightly bigger, probably out than some of the smaller real estate listed sector. So we would sit most probably just above some of the smaller listed vehicles that are currently on the on the on the stock exchange. Um, but I can't really tell you what the value is of privately held fund. Why we like a privately held fund is that I've seen how successful many developers have been over the years with privately held funds on decision-making that we can make decisions much quicker. And there's been many significant developers who've done incredibly well that aren't listed today, and they've got significant private funds. So I can't get into the monetary size, but we, we've got a fairly substantial uh, private fund. Carlos, thank you so much for your time. That was Carlos Correa, CEO of Amschlanga-based property group Fundamentum. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Property Pod with Suren Naidu. To listen to more episodes, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates. Follow Suren on Twitter at Suren Naidu for more of his property industry content and other business stories. The Property Pod. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.